Welcome back to another episode of the Deeply Rooted Business Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here with my co-host, Jess, we are going to be talking about reflection and what KPIs and benchmarks to look at in order to build for a productive year forward. So let's get started. And because we are the woo girls that we are, we're going to be taking it through a lens of energy and how to make sure that you have a balanced energy output throughout the year so that you are avoiding burnout. That is our goal. Burnout inevitably will happen sometimes, but we want to try to avoid it and be able to bounce back from it as quickly as possible. So the tools and the metrics that we're talking about today are going to be things that can help you really be successful within each of these different seasons, like energetic space. I really want to set the framework before we jump into all of this, because regardless if you're a baby business owner or an established business owner who has multiple years under their belt, you understand that there are seasons in your business that require different levels of effort. So when you're launching, that's a really high type of energy. Um, When you're sitting back, like maybe in December or uh, January type energy, you're sitting in that restorative type flow. So really understanding that as a business owner, you're not 100% all the time because that is what gets you to burnout, but understanding where to plan your year, how to balance your energies throughout so that you have a really cohesive flow that is aligned with your energy. So it's really what we're going to be talking about today. In our last episode, we talked about reflection and really identifying the new goals and initiatives and spaces and places you want to go in the new year. So in this episode, it's going to set the framework of how to map that out over a year's time so that we avoid burnout um, and that we are able to show up as our best and brightest selves every day to our business. Let's just start by defining these three seasons, and then we'll work into and deep dive into each one of those. So do you want to give the recap of the three? Because you're kind of living in your realm of how we've decided to position these. When you go to map out your year, I love to take like a spreadsheet and write the 12 months of the year. And then I have the columns, which we have promoting, which is what Rachel defines as like a push season and her language. We had to like align on our verbiage here where you're, these would be the times that you're actively launching or promoting or selling the things that are going to require a lot of outward energy in our Ayurveda (laughs) that is defined as like the Pitta dosha, which is combined of the elements of fire and wind. So think of like energy that you get when you're looking like at a rolling ball of fire. That is basically that the energy that you're having to put out and muster up when you're in a heavy launch or sales season. The second type of energy or kind of period that we have is the created creating season. And in Ayurveda, creation is related to Vata dosha, which is made up of the air and ether. Um, and it's literally up in this headspace, borderlining woo, the veil is 
thin so that all of that inspiration can just pour into you and you can pour it into whatever you are trying to action in your business. And then we have our last season, which is the season we're in now, which is winter, um, which is related to the element of kappa, uh, which is made of earth and water. And it's all about restoration and really renewing your roots. So you're still working on your business and in your business, but it may be more of that foundational level um, where you're not expending too much outward energy. It's a lot of work happening behind the scenes and in the back end of your business. So those are the three seasons that we'll be talking about. Um, and we'll be talking about how to map them out and then other KPIs that we think that you would need to focus on for each season to be successful for you. Yeah, let's start with my, what I call a push season, but the fiery kind of um, high energy type season. I help a lot of, of my clients do launches and things like that. It's a high energy. This is the type of season in your business that you probably only want to last max 60 days, like 30 days, ideally max 60, or else you're completely burned out. But this is one of those where it's like, cancel the plans, book a massage, put a lot of self-care into your personal life so that you can show up ready to take action during this actual season. So Jess, I'm curious, like when you're doing the annual plans of your clients, when you're planting kind of a push season, a fire season in their calendar, what are the things that you're kind of looking for when you're mapping out like specific things? Like first things that come to my mind are like, obviously historical trends. When do you make the most sales? But I'm very curious what else you think. Yeah. So we're doing historical trends. And then I always am a lifestyle first, like entrepreneurs and like travel or like other wanting to come and show up with your full energy from because let's face it, when you're launching, you're just like, it's almost like you're like ripped open raw because you're so vulnerable. No matter how many times you sell this product, you're putting yourself out there. And as much as you don't want to take it personally, if it's something new that you've put your heart and time and effort into, there's just going to be a lot of energy expended of just you know, like, are people going to like this? And how is it responding? And that, and that coupled with you're actually going to have to be showing up for people. I think gone are the days and yet passive income does exist, but gone are the days where you can just put something out there and not interact with your community at all and still be able to get sales. Like you're going to be fielding DMs and emails and maybe taking application calls. So it's just a lot of like outward energy. Do you have any other big initiatives or projects that would like prevent you from showing up? Again, looking at the historical data, because it is such a high investment time that you want to make sure that you're getting more bang for your buck. And then number three, that you are looking at your personal life and making sure that there's nothing that's going to conflict. If you have a kid graduating and you really want to be like present for them, then let's push off the launch a little bit so that like you can 100% focus your time and effort on this. And like Rachel said, that's 30 to 60 days, which sounds like a lot, but it works so much better because I've had entrepreneurs like, oh, I'm not like launch week isn't until next week. So I can go on vacation the week before. And it's like, no, those 30 days, you need to be full on committed to promoting and you know selling whatever you're doing or whatever you've created into the world so that you can be successful. Because if you try to cram too much else into that, that's when burnout is going to be waiting for you on the other side. And yeah, I totally agree. And I think that is 
one of those things where people don't intentionally plan their launches. I have a lot of people that come to me for launch support and they're like, I want to launch in the next month. I'm like, whoa, we have, there's so much to build up towards. It's not like you said, which I think is such a interesting topic where the days of early COVID 2019, 2020, where you can just post things and maybe not have that community behind it. But now there's so much more transparency, authenticity that's required when developing and building a community and selling consistently that it's really important that bandwidth is established from the beginning of your launch plan or the beginning of your like fire season because it's so impactful. And if you're an introvert like me, that's the stuff that like immediately drains me. So really understanding that like these seasons in your business have certain effects. It's not a nine to five where you can close your laptop and be done at the end of the day, as much as we want it to be like, and as much balance as you can build into your business. It's just really important to know that those elements are draining sometimes. Just to add one more thing to that. I think that was a big lesson that I learned when I was managing client launches is like really holding firm on like that eight week lead up time. Cause yes, you could launch it quicker, but it's not going to be a good experience for you. And you're probably not going to get as good of results. I saw myself evolve as a service provider when I started holding my boundary of now I require eight weeks to help you out with this because I want it to be successful and I don't want to burn you out. Yeah, mm-hmm. we could probably, that's not the energy that we want to bring to you. Totally. Um, all right, let's talk through the three benchmarks, KPIs that we think are probably the most important to pay attention to when you're in this big kind of high energy season. Um, Obviously, it's more marketing and sales focused because we're driving towards an end goal, which is conversions and launching and all of that. So the three that I would say are the conversion rate is one, obviously, and that could either be sales calls booked from marketing messaging. It could be enrollments from marketing messaging, whatever your end journey to purchase goal looks like. Um, Making sure that we're tracking conversion rates is that's really like step one. Uh, Using historicals on that too, because if you understand that your average conversion rate is lower than let's say the industry average of five, uh, it's really important to know that don't set these like 10K, 100K launch plans when you realistically have this audience size and this average conversion rate that's unique to your audience and to your business. So really making sure that those are like smart goals and smart metrics so that you're not setting yourself up, one, from an emotional point where you're like, oh, this is going to be the best launch of my life. And you're like basing it off of these kind of unvalidated metrics and numbers. Yeah, there's no sure way to deplete your energy more in a launch is to go in with unrealistic goals and expectations. And I think that it can be easy to fall into that trap because in the online space, we get exposed to like, just manifest it, you can do this. And it's like, Rachel and I think both live in one one foot in the woo world and one foot in reality or yes, you can remove your limiting beliefs and you can manifest it and you can tap on it and everything. But also 
there's KPIs and benchmarks and historical data that are going to tell us probably how you're going to reform. And I think that's where setting like those, I think you call them enough goals or good, better, best goals really come into play where it's like, you have to establish going into this, like what, what is your good number for each of these so that you're not constantly striving for more or unsatisfied with the results you're getting because you set an unrealistic expectation because that is just a energy suck right off the bat. 100%. So KPI slash benchmark number two, I would say the most important one is your engagement rate, especially when you are playing in a world that is ruled by an algorithm of some sort, really understanding that that ramp up phase is there to build and to boost that engagement. And you can do it across the means of having those DMs, driving them off social, having them in your email list, all of those various components, but making sure that one, your emails are high performing. So in your ramp up phase, you do A-B testing, you do message validation so that come launch time and when you're in your active sales period, you're actually leading with confidence that your metrics are going to meet or surpass your engagement rates. Uh, You don't want to be testing new messaging in active sales time because you don't know how your engagement is going to do. So when you have a steady kind of metric to look back on from your benchmark perspective, you could say, okay, this overperformed, this underperformed, and you look at it from a place that is in rooted in data instead of kind of my gut saying, I'm going to go with this. And you can actually remove a lot of those like emotional levers of disappointment and stuff when you approach your launch with data that has been validated in that pre-ramp up, warm-up phase. Anything to add to that? <laughs> no, I do not. You Perfect. <laughs> and then the last one is a combination of the two, conversion rate and engagement rate, which is your sales and profit. So this is really understanding that the moving pieces that are building in that fiery push season is doing the end goal, which is to drive sales, drive profit and all of that. So making sure that you're tracking. And I always, when it comes to my client's launch, I do a postmortem of the launch. We'll do a full analysis of the traffic sources, the conversion sources, all of those various components. So you can say, sure, maybe I profited 50K from this launch, but it happened 20% in email, it happened 10% on social, 40% on the DMs. And you start to begin to build out your next push season from this data so you know where to spend your energy at. So it's really, really important metrics and benchmarks to look forward to. I just giggled at your postmortem. I'm like, I call them launch debriefs, which I feel like is a little less. Oh, it's dead. It's done. Let's dive in. more energetically aligned one that's just what I called them in corporate that it carried over (laughs) I knew what you were talking about I'm like launch debrief reflection and review um but yeah the those are and the magic is in the debrief I always said that because rarely ever do you launch the first time and hit it out of the park right so you're gonna have to tweak and iterate and that and those um debriefs can help to show you the way to go 
Yeah. So second season of business is this like Vata season, the creating type energy. Do you want to walk us through the metrics and what's happening here? Yeah. So first of all, when you're creating, is that this is where it becomes really important to have those marketing systems running behind the scenes, like your evergreen funnels and your lead generation funnels and your content creation workflow. Those still need to be happening so that you're actively either leading people to your more passive offers or building up so that you can have a, another cash injection during your bigger push season that will carry you over while you're creating and restoring. Um, that a put or a creative season typically is before a big push season. Yeah, yeah. So I would say typically we would be like create, promote, create, mm. promote. But when your team starts to grow, you can actually have people in different energies of the business, depending on what part they're working in. So then it gets a little more complex. Like when I had a bigger client, um, a team member, some people were creating and some people were promoting. That's how you begin to scale. But if you're just one person, you know, or a smaller team, maybe everyone living in the same energy at the same time could work too. But as far as your like evergreen sources, I love to look at traffic sources. So where is the traffic coming from to your website? That way you know where you can focus. If you need to pull back on certain marketing activities, you know which ones are still going to give you the bang for your buck. So for example, right now, podcast doesn't generate a lot of leads for me and Rachel yet. So we intentionally pull back on this marketing channel because we know from our analytics right now that, you know, that's not going to generate our leads for us. And when we need to protect our time to create and we can only play in one kind of marketing channel that Mm -hmm. maybe Instagram for Rachel, or for me, it's more referral or SEO. Or um, So looking at your traffic sources, I also love to keep an eye on uh, keyword searches for Google Search Console, what's resonating, um, because sometimes I'm able to identify words that are generating a lot of traffic to my website and set up some funnels just for that specific article. Um, I feel like that's how Google works a lot. It's like you'll have one article that gets like 2,000 views and then nothing else gets anything. It's like, you need to have something specific on this page if 2,000 people are coming to this page every day. And then also just looking at any evergreen funnels that you have, like as far as lead magnets or passive funnels that are working to make sure that those KPIs are working. And that's going to be what sustains you and allows you to have the time and space to do the creation. And then as far as actual creating goes, what I'm looking at as time tracking, a lot of entrepreneurs do not track their time. I track my time. So I have a good idea about how long each task or project has taken me. And that helps with just giving myself a realistic plan to be able to complete something in the time period that I've given myself to create. So we said that your promotion period is like 30 to 60 days. Your creation period really is probably going to be determined by how often you need to promote. So if you've only got 30 days to create something, then having a realistic time frame and scope of work that you can do in that period. So that may look like doing different like iterations of each product 
because we probably have 5.0 version of something that we want to put out there, but there maybe there's a 1.0 version that we can watch like next month because we need the money. Planning out your time and your capacity and your scope that way. And then also just looking at your operating expenses, because especially during these creating periods where maybe you're not pulling in as much revenue as you typically do, keeping those guys as low as possible is ideal. And tech bloat is like real. So I have a spreadsheet in my Notion where it's got all the different tech services that I pay for. And it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm going to sign up for this. This is so cool. This is so cool. It's like (laughs) periodically going back and looking at those expenses and what can I cancel or what's not creating ROI or what can I consolidate? I feel like that's been a big one for my clients this year is that as these tech companies begin to evolve and expand, they can do so many other things that they couldn't do before. For Canva, for example, now it has whiteboards where I used to use Whimsical for. I had a client who was using Try Interact and Typeform, which basically you could do the same thing with those. We consolidated those. Or if you're using something like Kajabi that already has an email service for me and you don't need all the bells and whistles that um, some of the other ones have, then maybe you can consolidate that so that you're keeping your operating expenses low. So you're not feeling that pressure to hurry up and finish this thing. Creativity does not thrive in pressure. It needs lots of white space and less stress to be able to to flow. I think you covered it all. Okay. And then our last season of business is the restorative kappa type season, which I would say we're in. I'm in right now. I'm trying to be in right now. And really making sure you give yourself that time to build back up and come back to life. And I know in our past episodes, we really played on the mindsets of rot and rot or restore. And you can do both. It's possible. I think there's some times where you're like couch potato status. I've used this week to like really sleep in and wake up when I want to wake up. I have narrowed down my client work tasks, uh, really making sure that when I have my clients returning, (laughs) my retention is still on um, and that I'm actively building toward a new roster coming up in like the new year. So I think the three metrics that are the most important to focus on in this restorative COPPA type season is that customer lifetime value, making, making sure there's no anomalies in your in your retention strategy. You're making sure that you have a long tract in place, that you don't have a lot of cancellations early, that you are working smarter and not harder. So it's the mindset of, I am going to have, like all my clients have a three-month minimum uh, retain. On average, my clients stay with me anywhere from six to nine to 12 months. So depending on what service they live in. So understanding that in my business, even though my initial contract is three months, I know that I don't need to market to fill that spot again for another six plus months afterwards. So really leaning into those foundational metrics of customer lifetime value, your retention rate, leaning into your network, I would say is another one. So embracing referrals. uh, How can you in this restorative 
phase of season of business, really like tap into reconnecting with your network, whether that's coffee chats or emails, things that are just retaining and rebuilding those connections that maybe during your push season, you kind of lost track of. Those are really important steady metrics to look at during this type of relaxing, restorative season. The final one that you didn't talk about is, and I think you naturally do it when you slow down is like you realize like the other areas of your life that especially if you've been in a heavy like push season or pit of season that have fallen to the wayside. So like health and wellness or maybe family and relationships or um, just personal development and spirituality, like gauging all of those other life areas and like where they're currently at and like what needs some more work so that and when you're going forward and putting your plans in place create some space for those activities to go or I'm a big fan of doing retreats and going hard and getting a big old boost of like restoration so that carrying you to the the next one it's kind of building that stress resilience muscle totally yeah gosh I can't wait to unplug after this and jump right into the new year feeling so much more restored. I desperately needed these last two weeks to chill. (laughs) So yeah, so let's just do a little quick recap. So the three seasons of business that typically, and I think just you start in this creative space to create something new, then you go into promote mode to then sell that. And then hopefully you drop into restorative mode so that you can pull back and reclaim some of that energy that you just um, pushed out during that fiery season. So really making sure that you're not planning an entire year with just 100% fire, that you're planning in restorative options, that you're not uh, double dipping into that creative slash fire mode at the exact same time. Because I tell you, it's I think you had said this, like you need space, you need low to create and feel inspiration. And really like when you have it coupled with that pressure of generating sales and that kind of masculine energy, it's really hard to exist in both at the same time. So those three seasons, we'll talk more about how to build them into an actual annual plan, but really having this foundational knowledge of these three kind of energies that you'll exist in throughout the year is so important. Yes. So thank you guys for listening. And until next week.